try not to lose my props. Can, uh, can you all hear me? Okay. Thank you. All right. Bill has fancy uh, science experiments, but I just got some oranges here today. All right, good morning. Let's uh, start off with our scripture. I've got two scriptures this morning because I need all the scriptures I can get. Uh, the first is uh, from Isaiah 53, 6, and the second is from 1 Peter 2, 24. And I chose these to show that what happens in the Old Testament is usually a precursor for what happens in the New. Uh, usually there's a connection between the two. So in Isaiah 53, 6, it's an Old Testament prophecy about us and what Jesus uh, would do for all of us. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. And then in 1 Peter 2.24 in the New Testament, it explains that Jesus died not only for our salvation, but also for our healing. He himself bore our sins and his body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. This is the word of God for the people of God. All right. So let's get started with a prayer. And I promise I'll have you out of here before your lunch gets cold, I hope. Uh, Father God, we praise you and thank you for your promises and who you are to us. We praise you for all that you have done for us and for all that you will do for us. We thank you for Jesus and his sacrifice for us. Thank you for teaching us new things about you. May this message be used to build us up and grow our faith our relationship with you, and our knowledge in you. Amen. So, a lot like the Uplift podcast that we do with Phil and Ian here, uh, this might seem a little bit heavy, some of the things I talk about today, but I meant to do it uh, in a positive way. Uh, it's part of what we're all made to do to welcome God into our lives, to walk us through our practical situations. The fact that I'm up here is a sign of things to come for our church. I'm one of you. I'm not Phil, and I'm not Ian. I still have a long way to go, and that's okay. But God is working in all of us to build us up to do and learn new things. Today, I want to talk to you about an orchard. So let's make this a little interactive. Close your eyes and imagine what an orchard of orange trees looks like to you. It's a healthy green leaves on strong trees with lots of bright oranges on it. It's a warm place. Oranges grow in warm environments. It's a welcoming place. Maybe as you're thinking about it, maybe you can hear birds and uh, bees flying around. You can smell fresh air and hear the breeze blowing through the branches. Now, you can keep your eyes closed if you promise not to fall asleep, but maybe it's a better idea if you keep them open. Before I get into this message, I need to give you some background on how I learned about this. You see, I listen to a lot of Christian preaching and teaching, 
on podcasts and YouTube and wherever I can find it. I'm a guy who has struggled with a lot of things in my life. I'm a sinner, and I need all the help and teaching I can get. I make mistakes. I've listened to several hundred hours of preaching and teaching over the past couple years. I've listened to everyone from Phil and Ian to my cousin, who's a pastor in South Carolina, Steve Sparling, to many others on the internet. There are thousands of people out there that we can listen to, but when we listen to this preaching and teaching, we have to compare what we hear based on the scriptures in the Bible. We have to compare what these people say to the word in the Bible. Some of these people are really good, and some are not good at all. We have to be wise, and I trust that you will compare what I say today with scripture. Iron sharpens iron. Think of this. When I sharpen my lawnmower blades, I'd better have something harder than the blades I'm sharpening to do the job. It's kind of true with us when we listen to Scripture and listen to pastors. If you are hungry and you want to learn more from some of the trusted teachers and pastors, I found a couple that I really trust. Uh, a couple guys that have hundreds of hours of messages each out there on YouTube and podcasts and things like that. Uh, the first is Derek Prince, and the other is Andrew Womack. Uh, both of them, they'll stomp on your toes a little bit, but they'll keep you coming back for more because they speak the truth that is from God's heart in the Bible. So the idea behind today's message is uh, from Derek Prince, from a sermon that he gave many years ago. Now, Derek Prince, he was a grandfatherly-like kind of guy. He'd found Jesus in an army hospital during World War II. He lived in old age, and he passed away about 20 years ago. But his, te his teachings, are, they're still out there, and they are straight from the heart of God. He spoke hard, yet soft, and with no sugar coating. He traveled nearly every country in the world, and he taught about the Bible and Jesus. He was a soft-spoken British scholar turned soldier, turned missionary teacher, and he spent a lot of time in some not-so-good places. Derek was invited to speak in Pakistan, somewhere back in the 60s or 70s. And at that time, Pakistan was about 98% Muslim. No Christians at all, hardly. Derek and his wife, they were a team. They did everything together. And if you listen to his messages... Often his wife read the scriptures together with him when he spoke. So they were in the car together, driving from the airport to where they were going to speak. And Derek had no idea what he was going to say to these local Pakistani people. You see, Derek was a British scholar, and the people there were very poor farm workers. The makeshift church they were going to uh, speak at it could hold about 300 people. And they were told about 600 were going to show. Derek had a gift of the healing of the sick. He had a reputation for it. And these people had heard about it by word of mouth. By the time all was said and done, he ended up speaking to about 16,000 people. And he spoke to them by standing on a crate. These people were hungry and they wanted healed. 
And in the car on the way there, the Lord revealed to Derek to teach these local uh, farm people about the orchard. So what is the orchard? The orchard refers to us having an entire grove of orange trees full of fruit to pick from. This is very different than begging for an orange whenever we feel hungry and desperate and hoping we find one to get us through a particular moment. So often, we cry out to God in a panic when something bad happens, begging for an orange to get us through that situation. The orchard refers to the tending and the building of our relationship with God now so that you have plenty of fresh fruit to pick from when you need it. The orchard refers to growing our understanding of the Holy Spirit and praying for it now before we really need it someday. Someday will come for all of us. Maybe someday has already happened for you and we can be sure someday will happen again. The orchard is what we grow within us so that we have what we need when our future situations come upon us. Those situations can be good or bad. It means setting our hearts to God and having our relationship with Him healthy and active now and being prepared now for our future needs and doing future work. The orchard is knowing God, knowing His Son Jesus who died for us, and knowing the Holy Spirit that lives within us. Tend those things like you would tend an orchard of trees to grow the fruit that you need to not just live, but to thrive with a power and authority to do new things. Some of us have not yet discovered our power and authority that God gave to us long before we were born. And I encourage you to check that out for yourself by reading 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Now, a little about me. I had accepted Jesus as my Savior back in 1992 when I was 15 years old uh, during summer vacation from school. I'd read the Bible from cover to cover that summer. Uh, my cousin was a new Christian who led me to Christ. I'd read that Bible from cover to cover, and then I sat it down and I thought, that's a bunch of weird stuff that happened a couple thousand years ago. What does it have to do with me? I was in the girls in fast cars. I needed gas money. And gas money, thankfully, was a lot cheaper then. I'm sure you can relate. But you see, I was fond spiritually and physically, unfortunately, of Big Macs and large fries. I was not looking for oranges or trees. And for me, although I was saved, I spent from about 1997 when I met Kathy and started coming here until 2019 sitting here in these pews, not really having a good relationship with God. I didn't pay a whole lot of attention to anything the pastors here were teaching about. I'd made that choice. We had some good pastors here, but I was not looking for oranges, let alone the orchards of trees that I needed. I was still living on that spiritual cheeseburger and french fry diet. My relationship with God was lukewarm at best for a long time. And then, in the fall of 2019 here, there were some depressing realizations about my life that hung over me like a cloud. I was in a really cold and dreary, rainy place in my mind. I was depressed. 
I was bitter. I was burned out. No orchards, no oranges to be found. And that was by my choice. I chose not to look for it. And this is embarrassing for me to admit, but to say that I was angry with God would have been a huge understatement. I blame God for a lot of things that he did not cause. So about this time, I started talking to Phil and Ian about these things. I was seeking help. And gradually, I started listening to what they were talking about. Between them and Kathy's praying over me, orange seeds had been planted. Then, the floodgates opened. It was like I was standing under Niagara Falls. I was overwhelmed, I was confused by a flood of information and knowledge about God and who He really is and what He's really about. As time went on, some of these puzzle pieces really started to find their places one at a time. Those orange seeds that had been planted had taken root and were starting to grow in this new soil. Now what caused this flood of information in me? I did not know it at that time, but it was God working on me through His Holy Spirit. See, a lot of Christians have accepted Jesus as their Savior with the desire to get to heaven someday. But then, like I did, they sit their Bible down and they go do something else. I did that. I lived for a long time by the idea that God kept score on my report card. Hey, I got an A in salvation. Done and out of the way. I'm done with that. Tom Jones baptized me here. I was official. I still came to church to get at least a C in attendance and even took some Bible studies here to get some extra credit points. But I know now that's not really how God works. There is so much more to our relationship with Him. Most Christians aren't really comfortable talking about the Holy Spirit. Kathy and me, we didn't hardly ever talk about it. My Christian friends outside of church, we never talk about it. Most people don't talk about it because we're probably, we really don't understand it. And we think it's very weird and very personal. Maybe we have our doubts and unbeliefs. I know I did. But let's look at it this way. You know your physical aches and pains. You know when you have a headache and your back hurts. You know when your knee hurts. You know when you're sick, and you know your emotions. You know when you're happy, and you know when you're depressed, and when you're stressed, and when you're anxious, when you're angry. Do you guys experience any of that? I know I do. But do we know what the Holy Spirit in us has to say? Most of us are not tuned in like we should be. If we are Christians who believe in Jesus Christ, then we should pray for the Holy Spirit in us. We should pray to receive it and welcome it to flow within us. The truth is, the entire New Testament talks about it for hundreds of pages. It's been a major part of who we are for over 2,000 years. 2,000 years. The day of Pentecost, I thought that was a weird story. I never knew what it really meant. The ascension of Jesus that was another weird story to me. But consider this. Through the Holy Spirit, Jesus' sacrifice gives us authority to do things in our bodies and in our lives for ourselves and sometimes for others. 
August 29th last year, Ian Thornton stood here and spoke for over 44 minutes about these topics, and I missed it. I was very sick that week with a virus that we all know too much about, and I missed church. But a few weeks ago, I stumbled upon the podcast of that message on my lunch hour at work, and it was one of the most powerful and passionate messages that I've ever heard. He talked about what's written in the Bible. We can heal the sick, and we can cast out demons, and we can even do more than that if we truly believe and we have faith. I encourage you all to pray and read about it. It's in Matthew chapter 10, verse 8. So Phil is going to continue to teach us about these things here in the coming uh, season. The Holy Spirit that we can ask for, it's within us, and it's the same the apostles had 2,000 years ago. We have to learn how to receive the Holy Spirit and how to have God manifested into our lives. We have to learn how to have God manifest the Holy Spirit into our flesh for our healing. And we have to learn about the authority that we have in Jesus Christ. Whether or not we put our faith in Jesus or a magic eight ball or whatever the news tells us, we will face spiritual battles. You have them in your life, whether you know it or not. Some people call it a bad day, but it's spiritual. We think the Holy Spirit is weird. But ask yourself this question. Is the Holy Spirit more weird than the world that we live in? Is the Holy Spirit more weird than a man killing 19 kids in a school? Is the Holy Spirit more weird than millions of young and middle-aged people battling and losing to incurable diseases? Is the Holy Spirit more weird than record numbers of drug addictions and drug overdoses? Is the Holy Spirit more weird than record numbers of suicides? For many of us, the Holy Spirit is our next, the next thing for us to grow within us. And speaking of growing, let's get back to the orchard. So, how do we plant and tend and grow our orchard? Well, I'll leave us all with a homework assignment, me included. Think about how we pray and be prepared to change how we pray so that we may grow our trees now to produce the fruit that we will need in the future. Think about this statement. God can never be inferior in a situation. He can never be inferior in a situation. He can never be inferior to what the enemy has done. He's never the underdog. So we have to adjust how we pray to align ourselves with that reality. What I mean is, oftentimes we pray out of desperation for God to give us an orange when we are on the verge of passing out. We often cry out in desperation after something bad happens while we are sinking and we're begging for a miracle. What if, instead, we were to pray and praise Him for a future result that is in line with his promises and what he has already provided to all of us. A result that we have not yet seen, but we stand in faith for. You see, we need ripe oranges when we're hungry, and it takes time and work to grow them. We should not count on Kroger's having our fresh oranges for us on the shelf when the famine hits. 
And we should not always count on Phil or even Ian to give us their oranges. Now, they're nice enough and they share with us, but it's time now that we grow our own orchards, our own oranges. We get to grow our own. So what does this look like in our world? How do we do it? Well, first of us, or first some of us, we need to defeat defeat. And does that sound weird? It did to me when I first thought about it. But we need to defeat defeat. We have unresolved stuff. We have unbelief. We have lack of faith sometimes. And I'm still working on that myself. It's hard to plant seeds or grow trees when we already have our minds set that the seeds and the trees won't grow in our soil. We need to work on our relationship with God. So we start with praise. We praise Him for all that He has done and all that He will do in our lives and in our world. And then we pray to build and strengthen our relationship with God and pray to thank Him for Jesus and pray for the Holy Spirit to flow within us. These things will produce our oranges, the fruit that we will need. If you have a problem or an illness, pray for the future result of that problem or illness being past you. Pray for the future result of your problem being in your past. Ask boldly and ask from your heart. And finally, we must actively live our faith, which is living in expectation of a result that we cannot yet see with our eyes, living in the anticipation of the result that we cannot yet see. We must stand on this. That's what faith is. Pray that you will have all that you will need in your future. Ask boldly for it. Praise Him that He will provide it to us when we seek Him and we choose to receive it. Pray for the orchard. Pray for the oranges and pray for your fruit. So please join me in my closing prayer. Father God, we praise you and we pray for an orchard, a grove of orange trees that represent your promises, your gifts, your blessings, and healing miracles in our lives. We seek it boldly. We choose to receive it. And we pray for you to show us how to use the fruit that you provide to us. In Jesus' name, amen.